Hello and welcome to the freemusiced.org podcast, or the Free Music Ed podcast, I should say. My name is Gannon, and there is no Steven this week. Hey, do you like it when I get it real close on the microphone like this? Kind of whispering in your ear, kind of like those NPR guys, right? They get right up in your ear. See, Steven's not here. He can't control me now. I can do whatever I want. Anyway, Steven is a band director, as you probably know, unless it's your first time listening. Normally, there's another guy here, but he is a band director. It's the end of the school year here in America, and he is very, very busy. Tons of things going on, concerts and uh, kids just destroying things, and uh, who knows what else he has to deal with. I I don't envy him right now. I'm sure he's... uh pulling his hair out. It's t- typically when band, you see bald band directors, it's this time of year that, that hair comes out. Um, whether it be manually or naturally, this is when it actually happens. <laughs> so today you get me, Gannon Phillips. I am a trombone player. I've been a trombone player for many, many years. I'm pushing two decades now, I guess. And um, I am going to talk to you about something that I have at least a pretty good solid um background and knowledge in, which is mouthpieces, brass mouthpieces. Now, disclaimer number one, when I talk about brass mouthpieces, and this is for anybody who talks about this kind of stuff or anything that you read about it, um, these are all going to be generalities. Generalities. Is that a word? I don't know. Somebody comment on this thing and tell me if generality is a word. I don't feel like looking it up. So I'm going to be making a lot of general statements here. They are not going to be true for everybody. Some will be true for some people. Some will be true for the other for other people. The reason for that is because, well, um, the mouthpiece is going on our face. Everybody's face is different. Some people, you know, have big, thick lips. Some people have small, thin lips. Some people have wide faces. Some people have skinny faces. Dental structures vary from person to person a lot. And so we can't say, oh, well, this mouthpiece works for everybody, and this mouthpiece works for nobody. Because, to tell you the truth, every ma- every person needs a different mouthpiece to work, to find the one, uh, I'm saying this terribly, everybody, the best mouthpiece out there for you, and for any particular person, is going to be different from person to person. How we put it that way? Okay, so then you're thinking, wow, well, my band director started me on this, was he doing the right thing? And the answer is probably yes, he's doing the right thing. Um, when you're starting out, and if you're a beginner, or you're just starting to play, you need to start down the middle of the road. Um, on trombone, that's a 6.5 AL. Uh, some band directors do 12C. I disagree with the 12C, and I'll tell you why. It's a small mouthpiece. It's one of the smallest mouthpieces on the trombone. And directors, I think the thought the process is that you know, they're they're smaller in sixth grade. They're not a full-size person yet. But that's the only instrument we do that with. Um, baritone player starts on six and a half. And tuba players are on 24 AWs for the most part. So um, on trombone, I say six and a half AL. Or the Shilke sizing, I think, is a 50. A Shilke 50 or a Yamaha 48, I think, is what Yamaha puts in their cases. So maybe a Shilke 48. Excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coming off of being sick. So, um, trumpet, you know, we're talking 7C, 5C, cornets, typically on a 5B. Um, French horn, I don't know as much about French horn 
And actually, I'm sure some of the things I have to say uh, may not always apply to French horn. French horn, the instrument and the mouthpieces, everything about it is really different from the rest of the brass in, in a lot of ways. So French horn players, do your own research. Take this with a grain of salt. Make sure that you understand your instrument. Uh, French horn, I know the 30C4. I think that's the Shilke Yamaha size. I know that's a pretty popular one. Um, box size is like an 11 if I'm not mistaken, maybe 12. I'm pretty sure it's an 11, though, um, is is like a down-the-middle size for you. So, But then, once you develop as a player, you're going to want to start getting into new mouthpieces, more mouthpieces. There's so many different kinds out there. How do I decide which mouthpiece is good for me? Well, first thing you need to do is to play lots of different mouthpieces. Um, some people will have easier access to this than others, but there there will be opportunities that you have. If you can make your way to a convention, like a... In Texas, we have the TMEA, Texas Music Educators Association Convention. Most states have that for their state. Uh, or the TBA, the Texas Bandmasters Association. You can go to those, and people, uh, vendors come, stores come, and they bring all the mouthpieces and stuff, and you can try them all out. Another way is a local music store. They may or may not have um, some mouthpieces that you can play. Um, I think most would have at least something for you to kind of try out. Not a whole lot. You're not going to get the kind of range that you would at a convention. But you will you may get something to do with. Also, your friends, they may have different mouthpieces than you do. You know, trade around every once in a while. Just kind of experiment. And also know that you can't judge a mouthpiece in five minutes. You kind of have to give it a little bit of time. How does it? How does your endurance, you know, over an hour or two um, last on this mouthpiece? Or, you know, two weeks from now, your embouchure may actually change a little bit towards the mouthpiece that you have. And it may be for better or for worse. So you got to give the mouthpiece um, a little bit of time before you figure it out. Okay, enough about that. Let's talk about the mouthpiece itself, the physical parts of the mouthpiece. Okay, we got four main components of a mouthpiece. The rim, that's the part that actually touches your face. It's the circular part that you jam into your chops. And, well, hopefully you're not jamming it. Um, <laughs> but that's what you put on your face, and that's called the rim. We'll talk about this more in more detail in a minute. Uh, the next part that we come to is the cup. The cup is the bold out part of the mouthpiece. It's actually kind of in the shape of a cup. That's why we call it that. Pretty simple. Okay, the throat is the next thing that we come up to. This is the skinniest point uh, that your air is going to be going through on the entire instrument. And the throat... Uh, well, that's all I'm going to say about the throat right now. We'll get more into detail about that later. And then after the throat... Um, as we transition into the horn, we have um, the shank, the stem, or more specifically called the backbore. Uh, the shank is typically kind of referring to that whole piece. The backbore is, rep- is referring to the actual chambered out part, how we come, how the air comes out of the horn. Okay, so let's get specific. Let's talk about the rim. <coughs> Excuse me. The there are two ways that we can change how the rim is made to where it affects your playing. Uh, One thing we can do is we can make it wider or narrower. And what I mean by that is that the actual material, how much material is actually touching your face. Um, We can widen out that surface area and make um, what happens when you do that. Let me start that sentence over. You can widen out the surface area that's actually touching your face. And what happens with that is that you typically have better endurance because there's more cushion against uh, your face more to, to kind of push onto and so your chops aren't having to work quite as hard to hold the embouchure together um, it, it does sometimes hurt people's flexibility and 
I'm not I'm not huge on the wide rims. Some people really really love them. Um, like the uh, Dennis Wicks, which you know what actually I use a Dennis Wick on my large horn. So uh, next, what I just said there. <laughs> so okay, now what if we narrow the rim? Um, of course, it's going to kill your endurance a little bit because you have a smaller surface area, and if you use any kind of pressure when you play, you're actually going to cut off uh, circulation to your face a lot quicker, and that's not good. Um, it does improve your flexibility, though. And it also, for some people, their range is a little bit better on those narrower rims. But if your face, uh, face, if your embouchure isn't strong enough to kind of hold things together and your air isn't good enough to hold things together, when you get up in the high range on those narrower rims and you um, subsequently start using more pressure to make that stuff happen, your endurance is out the window and you can actually do a lot of damage to your um, flesh and your face and your chops long-term by, by doing that. So you got to be careful. Okay, now there's something else we can change on the rim. It's the uh, roundness or sharpness of the dive down into the cup from the rim going down into the cup. Now, if we make that drop real sharp and kind of more squared off, not totally squared off, but more squared off, um, some people say it, it kind of brightens up their tone a little bit. Um, your precision is definitely better. My flexibility is a lot better that way. Uh, and it is that way for some people too. Um, you, you can, especially if you use pressure, you can lose a little bit of endurance that way. It isn't quite as comfortable on the face. The round rim is a lot more comfortable. And so you actually tend to see that profile a little bit more often. Um, now we'll see, like, it, it just depends on the maker, really. I mean, Shilke generally has sharper cuts and Bach doesn't. They they tend to have rounder cuts, but that's not always true because some, on some of the Shilke trumpet mouthpieces, they have the smoothest cut right there than, of any mouthpiece I've ever seen. So, again, general rules. Uh, okay, the cup. We can do two things to the cup to change things. We can make it deeper or shallower uh, towards or away from our face, or we can make it wider or skinnier on our face. We call that the cup diameter. <coughs> So uh, let's let's talk about well, let's go ahead and talk about the diameter. Um, as as we make the diameter wider, uh, you can usually get more volume and control out of your sound that way. Uh, you tend to lose endurance and range. Uh, your low range will typically get better, and your high range will typically get not better, worse. I don't want to say worse. And when you start putting range in on mouthpieces like this, man, some people just really flip out because they say it should be the player, not the mouthpiece, and um, the, yeah, I, I agree to an extent, but these things do change your range to some people more than others, but it does definitely make an effect. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with what it, with, with that thought that, yeah, your range is going to change as you change the mouthpiece width or a uh, cup diameter. We're calling this cup diameter. Okay. So of course, if we make the cup diameter smaller, um, you'll have better endurance. You will probably have a better high range. Your low range is going to suffer a little bit. And you're you're going to have a brighter sound in general. You're not going to have a, as dark of a sound. And you may not be able to put as much volume through the horn. And sometimes if you have too small of a cup diameter, you end up chipping a lot of your high notes and kind of crack, cracking them and chipping them, just not having that accuracy that you want. That may mean you just have a little bit too narrow of a rim. Or I call it rim. Too narrow of a cup diameter. <clears throat> now, let's talk about deep and shallow stuff for your cup. If we make it deeper, uh, you get a much, much darker, sonorous, round tone. Uh, sometimes that can cause a lot of more overtones to kind of pop through, too. Um, 
your low register typically is a lot darker too, uh, especially your low register is, but everything in general. Some people say that you lose high range when you go with a deeper cup. I'm not totally convinced of that. Some people say that your high register is better on a shallow cup. Um, you know, for me personally, I've never really experienced that. It's always w um, cup diameter that does that for me. But uh, I think it's more true for trumpet players than it is trombone players, though. So, so we do we do shallow cup. Uh, you do get a brighter tone. Uh, some people get better response, and your high register tends to improve in response up there. So, um, high note players, they'll they'll always have shallower cups in general. Okay, the throat. Um, this doesn't get changed a whole lot because there's there's pretty narrow room to work with before we just make it unplayable. Um, you can make the throat a little bit larger, a little bit smaller as far as how, how big that uh, little hole is. Typically, larger throats, um, you have to use more air. You can get a lot more vo volume. Uh, you tend to get uh, a deeper sound. You also uh, sometimes get a lot more... Um, poignant attacks you get better precision on your attacks and stuff on the large throat i love large throat mouthpieces uh also on the smaller you're going to um increase the resistance on the mouthpiece and your endurance may get a little bit better you might get a little bit brighter but if you go too far the resistance actually be become a huge problem for you and actually it would be worse for your high range instead of better some people would think that's better it's not it's it's actually worse. You got too much back pressure, and it totally screws you up. So, but but the throat's not something that we worry about a whole lot. And the same thing with the back bore. The back bore um, can vary in shape, and it can vary in um, how big it is. And that's something that just kind of tends to be set by manufacturers. Like whatever your cup and rim and throat setup is, the back bore is typically just going to be what it is. Whatever works the best for that mouthpiece. I know it affects your tuning. Um, it, it affects all sorts of things. Now, uh, high-end manufacturers, you can really start messing around with the backboard. But uh, stocked mouthpiece, stock mouthpieces and stuff like that, it, they, they, they don't really mess with that too much. And maybe for the better, I don't know. <coughs> this, is, this whole system is something that you can really let overcomplicate your life. And you've got to be careful not to let that happen. Like I said, everybody's face is different. And even though this is, you know... These rules are kind of general. Um, they may not do for you what I'm saying that they do here. And not all of these apply to me either. Um, I play on, in my jazz, I play on 11 C's, a pretty small trombone mouthpiece. And I get an incredibly dark sound out of it for that mouthpiece. And I play on a small horn too. Um, yeah, I, th I think uh, it's an old Super, 1949 old Super. And I think it's a five, 495 bore, if I'm not mistaken. I'm probably wrong about that. Um, seven and a half inch bell. It's a small horn. I get a really dark sound on it just naturally. Um, I know the lead player that sits next to me in a band that I play. He gets a brighter sound than me. He plays a horn that's bigger than mine, made out of nickel, and on a six and a half. And he gets a brighter sound than I do. You know, it's 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 to each his own. So don't look at a famous player and go, oh, oh, well, John Faddis uses this mouthpiece, or Wycliffe Gordon uses this mouthpiece, or Miles Davis used this mouthpiece, or Maynard Ferguson used this mouthpiece, and I have to use a mouthpiece this guy did if I want to play like them. Nope, 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 nope. In fact, there's a lot of people, if you ever play a Maynard mouthpiece, his signature mouthpiece, they're almost impossible to play. I th I th I'm pretty sure the cup is actually reversed. It's not cup-shaped, but it's the opposite. It comes out and then kind of funnels down. 
and they're 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 pretty difficult to play. Most people can't play on the Maynard mouthpiece very well. And nothing against Maynard. I mean, he's one of the greatest trumpet players of all time, maybe top five even. But you know, that's his mouthpiece. That's what worked for him, and he made a great career out of that. But then, hey, let's look at Arturo Sandoval. Arturo Sandoval, one of the greatest high note players of all time. He plays on a three C trumpet mouthpiece, which for high note guys, that's pretty big. And he pulls it all off on a three C, and it's incredible. So we got two guys with two totally different mouthpieces getting similar results. And that's how, that's what you're going to find. And that's why I say you guys need to try out lots of mouthpieces before you start making these decisions. Or you're going to spend a lot of money and be very disappointed when you have a shelf full of mouthpieces and none of them work for you. Try them out first. Try them out first. Try them out first. So the the numbering system that you see on the side of the mouthpieces, they really do vary from manufacturer to manufacturer sometimes when the number gets larger that means that whatever it's correlating to is getting larger sometimes it's getting smaller um, typically the first number is has to do with your rim and the second number has to do with the cup the third number has to do with your throat and the fourth number has to do with your backbore if if there's not a third or fourth number it's just kind of assumed that those are normal but you'll always see at least two <coughs> uh, a number and a letter and Sometimes it it works one way and sometimes it works the opposite. I know there's there's two general systems. There's the box system and the Shilke system. Yamaha goes on the Shilke system. Um, most people are on the box system. And I think there's some variations even in between those. But those are the two main systems. Um, learn how those work. I'm not even totally sure because it even varies between trumpet and trombone in those systems. It gets really confusing. Do some research online if you want to learn more about this, or feel free to ask us questions. You can um, look up mouthpiece comparison charts. Um, I know Woodwind Brass one puts puts out a pretty good one on their website. Um, there's a couple other people. I know Doug Elliott has an excellent one for trombone and tuba and euphonium on his website. I love Doug Elliott. And I'm sure there's plenty out there. I'm sure Shilke has one. But you can kind of dig around, and they don't all agree. Of course they don't all agree. But you can kind of see the differences in sizes and stuff on those comparison charts. Also, there's some really good selection guides out there and some websites that you can get onto that will kind of help you uh, decide what may or may not work for you. Um, trombone.org, or maybe it's tromboneforum.org now. I, I don't. They changed it, and I always forget what it is. Let me click on it. Uh, yeah, www.tromboneforum.org is an excellent resource for trombonists. It's an online forum where you can just ask questions, and there there are some really, really, really great players on this forum that can really help you out. I've ran into Alex Isles before, who's Gordon Goodwin's lead player. Um, A-list studio guy is one of the best players alive. I also know that Airman uh, uh, Anote lead player, good grief, Jackson. Um, he's a baseball player. Joe Jackson, thank you, good grief. Joe Jackson is on here too. He's one of the moderators. He's on all the time and he'll answer your questions. I know Thomas Matt is on there and he's a New York guy, I think. There's a couple of New York players on there. Anyway, there's lots of people on there that can help you out a bunch if you're will if you want to go on there and ask questions. I'm sure the same thing exists for other instruments too. So look for that. There's specifically a mouthpiece section on this website where you can just talk mouthpieces and read and research and see what other people have to say. So that's the in and out of the very beginning of learning about mouthpieces. Uh, we could talk about it for hours and hours and hours if you wanted to. Um, hit me up sometime if you really want to talk mouthpieces for hours. <laughs>
but also don't let this don't don't let all this complicated stuff mess you up. Um, it it can overcomplicate if you let it. So don't let the mouthpiece define you, but also know that there are a lot out there, and you might find one that'll really help you out. So that's that's all I've got to say about this. You guys have fun out there. Always love what you do. Love your music. Play things that you like to play. And keep on practicing. Oh.